Hey y'all, I'm Tara Royer-Steele, and welcome to the Jesus Pie and Coffee podcast, the place where we have real conversations over pie and coffee. Hey friends, today I visit my friend Marion Taylor. Um, We got to sit face to face in the real world, and I just loved um, savoring the time. I learned so much from her about postpartum depression um, and the thoughts that she's had and how she, um, how God used her past um, life skills and gifts to help her advocate for herself and um, how she's walked through so many hard things and she's out on the other side and she wants to share it with everybody. She wants everybody to know if you see her walking down the street or if you're sitting still, she might just sit up next to you and be like, hey, so how's it going? And don't just say fine because she will call you out. So y'all grab a cup of coffee, sit at the table with us and enjoy this conversation. (laughs) Okay. Hi. Hi. Everyone, this is my friend Marion. Okay. So we really have only, we sat across from each other at an event a month ago, two months ago. Mm -hmm. You know, I just say things like in... I'm not a literal person. Are you a literal? Like, do you? I like to exaggerate a lot. Okay. I think that's why probably why we are good. Because you'd be like, my child is very literal. I'm like, quit being so literal. Right. No. I'm I just said something drama. to Clarissa and she's like, it's in five weeks. I was like, a month. It's in a month. Okay. <laughs> yes. So and yeah. I don't want to create drama. Yeah. But no, I exaggerate. It, it's more fun that way. It so. is. And I don't think I exaggerate when I shouldn't. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. There's probably something in here and someone's listening going, but there's a, you know, I'm sure we'll come up with a Bible study while we're sitting here about exaggeration. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And how we shouldn't do it. (laughs) But it is true. It just interesting. It was just a couple months ago. It really was a couple months ago at a Young Life event. Mm -hmm. And we're sitting across from each other. Or did we start talking before that? Yeah, Whitney introduced us. Whitney. Mm-hmm. Which, that whole story is amazing, too. Uh-huh. How did you know Whitney? Oh, my gosh. So, well, I grew up in Austin, went to high school there, and her husband and I went to high school together in Austin. Okay. And then one day I'm looking at Facebook, and I see, and we hadn't kept in touch, but I saw that he posted a picture of a house in LaGrange. So, of course, I'm, like, stalking. And you knew the house in LaGrange just by the picture? Yeah, and I think they put the street or hashtag something. Anyways, so I messaged him, like, what the heck? Why my town? Yeah. And um, so, come to find out, he had taken a job and they moved here. So, I knew that I was going to become best friends with his wife, so I showed up at a garage sale she had when they first moved in with donuts, and I said... And you're like, I'm not a stalker. Yeah. I said, I don't know if your children eat sugar, but... (laughs) Mine do, so I'm giving your kids donuts, and we've been great friends since. <laughs> That's the best way to do things, yeah. I think. I love it. You don't stay in that little comfort zone. Yeah. Sometimes so we she's, stay in the comfort zone. She's but. amazing. She's like my, she's, she's a rock, you know? Mm. She's wise and compassionate, and so, yeah, that's how I met her. Yeah, so I did not realize this, but last week I had, um, launch team party and Tim's mom Gaynell was there Uh and my dad was sitting there and because Tess his sister came to sell jewelry and um 
Gaynell was talking to my dad, and my dad was like, did you know they were in our wedding? Tom and Gaynell were in my parents' wedding. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, I don't know that I ever, like, put that together. I thought they had just come to eat at the cafe with another group of people. But, no, they were in my parents' wedding. That's crazy. And I know why. Oh, man, it's all coming back to me. Because of Steak and L, Tom and my dad used to work at Steak and L, and that's where my dad started his business, whatever, restaurant business experience. Crazy. That is crazy. The circles. Yep. So, yeah. Um, Whitney, um, I am i don't know how I met. Oh, I think Gaynell pushed the two of us together. And mm-hmm. then Tim ended up coming and helping build on our at All Things Acres, oh, too. Okay. And so he, he and Rick got connected. And that's how we ended up being at the event like, that okay. you were at. Yeah. And um, I don't know. There's just... Like, I just am intrigued by people, and I see them, like, I wonder what her story is, and I just want to, I know, I want to know what it is, and connect, and share with everyone, and so, that's why I was like, you should come on the podcast. Well, thank you. You're I'm welcome. honored to be here. It's exciting. <laughs> so, okay, so you were just talking about how you have, you're 38? Yes. And you already had a hip replacement? Yes. Because uh, so. you walked in the house on crutches, and I was like, well, I know she just had, like, something with her hip. Yeah. But I wasn't thinking you would walk in on crutches. Yep. So when I was 21, the year that I started nursing school and I, like, devoted my life to being in a profession where I'm on my feet all day long, I found out that I had hip dysplasia. And um, I knew that it was going to be, like, a lifetime of joint pain. Um, And I knew that some surgeries would be ahead. I did not ever anticipate having to have a a hip replacement at this age. But um, I've been a nurse for... 15 years now and so just that many years of wear and tear and Mm -hmm. keeping up with my kids and you know carrying two children and um so yeah just had my first hip replacement so your first you say it like you're gonna have another one I'll I'll probably have to have the other one done (laughs) at some point yes yeah so they're both bad yeah but sorry I've been I've been a good patient even though I'm a nurse (laughs) So you wouldn't be a good patient because you're a nurse? Well, I think a lot of people think that nurses aren't great patients because, I don't know, we don't really follow the rules, but I have been, I've been a good patient. I've followed all the instructions. Which is, don't do anything? Except for I have learned how to vacuum my house with one crutch and (laughs) cook for my children because I'm a single mom, (laughs) so, I mean, I have a five-year-old that likes to jump on me and an eight-year-old and... So how was that when you were like, you can't hang on mommy? That was, I think, is a hard thing yeah. to do. Yeah, and it's my little boy, and he's like, mama's Mom boy. In. So can I love on you yeah. and jump on you? He, every day, he points to my left leg, is this your hurt one? Yes. So then he'll jump on the <laughs> the other side of my body. <laughs> Which doesn't feel good anyways. Right. It's in pain, but you're like, oh, well. He's super sweet. Yeah, exactly. Take so. those snuggles whenever you can. Right. <laughs> okay, so tell me about you. Tell me about your kids. Okay, so... Um, well, I had was married for 10 years. We lived in Austin mm-hmm. and um, kind of had a unexpected divorce when my son was almost five months old and my daughter was three. And so that's how I ended up in LaGrange because I um, knew that I needed to be close to my family. And So, so your family's in LaGrange? My parents are. Okay. Yeah. That's and it. so they live way out in the country and the kids and I live in town. Um, so it's just been me and the kids since they were teeny tiny and... Um, of course they have a great relationship with their dad and I do as well. And now they have a stepmom and a stepsister, which is 
great more people to love them right so yeah I totally agree I mean I if if it is good and safe and great and, and it is and then all for it I was with someone recently and then she's like I just struggle with all these extra people and I was like and I was watching the th- uh-huh. whole situation I was like yeah but from the outside it looks pretty darn beautiful yeah all of these people loving on this child right and I and I get it I, I understand where she's coming from too, but man, when you just step back and can shift that perspective. Yeah. To... Well, especially if it's not, I mean, no one ever envisions no. their life turning out that way. And, um, and that's probably, I remember early on in, my, in that journey that my a counselor told me that sometimes divorce is harder than a death because the grief, there's no closure and you grieve right. it, grieve something new every day. And so, um, and it's true, but I feel like I'm, the Lord has been really so good to me and every day seeing just new mercies. And so um, I I consider the, you know, the stepmom and the stepsister to be blessings in, in my kids' lives. So, yeah, Rad is um, Rad, Rad. R-A-D. <laughs> okay, how did you name him Rad? Um, like, is that his real name? Yes. It's not, a, you know, a nickname. It's not it's a nickname. Just, that's awesome. <laughs> Um, well, my ex-husband got to pick his name, so he picked the boy name and I picked the girl name. Okay. And so, and... And you didn't fight for Rad? You're like, all right, Rad's No, great. it fit, because my ex is, he's an artist and, like, always loved, he was, like, former skateboarder and, like, that movie Rad and uh, when they're movies called like, Rad. And there's so. no, I don't know anything about that. Um, is it child appropriate? Because Bentley might like it. <laughs> I don't, isn't it a I don't skateboarding know. movie? I'll Anyways. just have to write it down so yes. I know I look and do the research. <laughs> so, um, so he's five and he is just, I don't know, he's hilarious and this, he's a sweet, sweet, sweet kid. Um, and then Gracie is my daughter and she's eight and she is sassy and independent and strong-willed and eight going on 16. So. But that's a. That's a um, firstborn for you. Yeah, were you were you? Did you have siblings? Yeah, I have two older sisters. Oh, so you're the youngest. Uh huh. Oh, okay. Yep. I was the oldest, so I can relate totally with with Gracie. Gracie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, what like so you have a hip replacement <laughs> and you're on your feet all the day. So, what does your life what does your life look pre hip replacement and right now? What does your life look like on a daily basis? Oh man, exhausting. Um, mm. Yeah, just like a good exhausting. It's a good exhausting. Not um, weary. I, something has to change. No, I mean I feel like by the time I get to work at eight o'clock in the morning, I've already done a full time uh-huh. job at home. I, I get you. You're like it's eight a.m. Why do I already want to go to bed? Right. I've been awake already. Yeah, I'm done. Um, but I, I love being a nurse. It's oh my gosh, it's my passion. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a surgical nurse now which I I love it I'm thankful for it I get to take care of patients but um prior to that I I worked for 10 years at a children's hospital in Austin and I did pediatric oncology and so which children's hospital Dell Dell mm-hmm. 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 what years did you do that um oh five to 14 you wouldn't happen to did, would you happen to have known Jamie Lynn Royer and you can say no no. Only because, you know, she worked there for a very long time. Do you know which law. department? Um, no. Okay. I don't remember. And I know that like, you can't know everybody. 
at the yeah, hospital. Maybe I'd recognize her. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I worked with, uh, kiddos that were going through cancer yeah. and, um, dealt with great victories, but also, mm-hmm. um, dealt with death for really the first time in my life. And, um, from there, when I moved to LaGrange, um, you know, kind of unexpectedly, i I fell into a hospice job and oh my gosh, that's my heartbeat. That is what I was made for. I love it. Mm-hmm. And, um, did that for a couple of years. The hours just didn't quite work out with me being a single mom. And, um, so hopefully someday I'll get to do that again, but end of life is such a beautiful, sweet, it can be a beautiful, sweet thing. So, um, but back to your question. Yeah. Life is just kind of busy. I try to limit, what it like extra things that I put my kids in um if they're begging to do something I say yes but otherwise I don't even like offer it they don't even if know they what don't their know. choices uh-huh. are yeah, that. <laughs> um so I'm kind of hoping that they don't figure out what like competitive sports are for a very long time because I don't want to go to games on the weekends <laughs> that's selfish <laughs> but um we're just you know we just enjoy after school going to the park or coming home and playing in the backyard and just yeah you're savoring your children right now yes you're savoring the season yes that's awesome so okay so I have to ask about that whole hospice and then the season before that how God you know just used that and turned it into something else but can you just give me just a a glimpse of what it was like to walk through that season with people and families or parents and children and that I mean I just I don't have any I don't have an idea I just think it would be sad and as can be but so beautiful at the same time right um yeah I mean I'm like the most emotional person I've ever met in my life I mean I cry at the drop of a hat I'll probably cry any minute now but um God put me in that job right out of nursing school and I knew, I always knew since I knew I wanted to be a nurse that I wanted to work with people long-term, meaning like ER is great. You really get to help people, but you never see them again. So I wanted mm. something long-term. Um, and so I was offered that job and I thought, well, what? yeah, oncology, cancer treatment, several, you know, it was a long time. So took that job. Oh my gosh. I had no idea what I was getting into. I was, I mean, I was just a kid. I was right out of nursing school and, um. And I will say that it's only because God gave me the strength that I could walk through the doors of that hospital every day. Because it is a tragic place. It's so sad. And um, families are ripped apart. And just horrible things are happening. Um, if you ever watch a St. Jude's commercial and you see the kids roller skating on their IV poles. And it's true. That's that's what it's like in a children's hospital. And that's probably the thing that kept me going is just the fight and the drive and the, um, the strength that the kids had. And so, yeah, I have 10 years worth of really amazing stories Stories. of kids, you know, going on their make a wish trip and that was their last wish. And they died as soon as they got home because they got to do what they wanted to do or, um, throwing weddings for kids because they were 20 years old or 21 even. And, that's what they wanted before they died. And, um, and then of course the kids who throwing weddings for them. Yeah. We had a couple, I mean, we didn't personally do them, but we went to them. They, we had a couple of kids get married 
before they passed away. Um, and just the the friendships that are formed between the families that are up there. I mean, they're mm-hmm. in a war. It is truly, they're fighting a battle. Um, and yeah, I don't, it's, it's indescribable. And that's why I started writing and painting. Just, I did not know how to deal with, with the, the things that I was seeing uh-huh. and um, yeah, the grief. So it's, I, I, whenever I get together with um, a good friend of mine, her name is Claudia. She was our child life specialist and they are so important. They're um, specially trained to go in and talk to the kids in like kid language and explain what we as nurses are going to do or what the doctors are going to do. Um, play games with them, use distraction to, so that it's not such a frightening experience for them. Mm-hmm. They are lifesavers. And, um, when Claudia and I get together, we'll just go down memory lane and start talking about all these kids that we used to work with and um, specifics, their siblings' names, mm-hmm. a certain birthday party we remember, their mom. And, you know, just we were a part of their life for so long. And um, it's a it's a little um, section of healthcare that is so different from the rest. It's such a special special place so I yeah once I once I had my own kids um I started seeing their faces in the hospital beds I walked in the rooms and I realized I can't do this anymore and that made me feel really guilty because I knew that I had a gift and I knew that I had the knowledge to take care of those kids but emotionally it was so hard so I'm really thankful for the nurses that came after me, they can do it. But you did do it. I did it, just not forever. And that's okay. Yeah. So you did it for ten years. I did. Okay. You 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 ministered to tons <laughs> of people. Yeah, I think so. Um. So then I did hospice, and is that and totally different? But not. It was hospice is different. Yeah. Um. Well, the hospice I worked for, we only took care of adults, so mostly elderly people and so you you know death is hard anytime yeah, right but if they've it's more expected at at an older age and so um yeah I, I just loved it I got to go into their houses and sit down with them and their family members and we just okay what do you want the end to look like and let's make it happen I mean it's just a really cool thing to kind of put that um, power in their hands and be able to work with them and with the doctors on the team and just kind of make their end as comfortable as possible. So and so what? And when someone says that, what what do you want the end to look like? What is was someone's response? Um, I mean, what is that? What can that look like? Yeah. Well, okay. So for example, so um, say someone is dying of lung cancer. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're but most likely they have other comorbidities. They probably have diabetes. They have, um, you know, they're on a million medicines for everything they've been treated by for a doctor. So they're probably on cholesterol medicine and, um, you know, all this stuff. Well, the cholesterol medicine gives them leg cramps. The diabetes, they have to poke their finger. The This medicine gives them a systemic. So I sit down with them and say, 
you want to stop taking? Which ones do you not want to take anymore? Yeah. And this is what, how you may feel if you do. But And then I get with my the doctor and we say, yeah, it's you do what you want to do. You, This is your life. And um, if they get sick, like if they get a urinary tract infection or pneumonia, they don't go to the hospital anymore. There's no more hospital. The nurse comes out. We call the doctor and say, this is what I'm seeing. These are the vital signs. This is what they look like. And we get them antibiotics sent to their house like it's just um it's just a way different way of caring for people a different philosophy and then um the great thing is we're we're working with chaplains and mm-hmm. social workers and volunteers who come out and read to them or um pray with them and it's just it's it's to it's not only for the patient but it's for the family because it doesn't have to be a scary thing and of course it's going to be a sad thing but if if grandma's wish was to not be put in a nursing home to not die in the hospital and if you can make it possible to bring in everything she needs into her home set her up Mm -hmm. in the living room so she can look out the window and if her child can be her caregiver and you can teach them how to be her caregiver and empower them then you just made her end of life journey the way that she wanted it to be so that's i don't know it's just, it was a really, yeah, really neat season. I got to give a TED talk about death and dying at, mm-hmm. um, at a university last year. So that's on my blog. I don't know if you got to see that yet, but that was kind of one of my highlights of, of that part of my career is just kind of getting to share some of those stories. Yeah, no, I haven't, but I'm going to go read it okay. for sure. TED talk, um, which I think that's great that you did a TED talk. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I guess uh, you hear about hospice and you know about all those things, but you just don't really, you're not in it. So you don't really know. And you're yeah. not walking. I haven't ever walked through it. So I don't know all the details of it. Yeah. So um, I, I think had, it's fascinating uh, and beautiful. Thanks. Yeah. Probably one of my favorite experiences is I took care of this woman who um, in her home, and she was on hospice for almost two years. And that, that wow. can happen. Oh, okay. Um, and she was basically at home all the time unless her daughter came and got her to take her to Dairy Queen or something. So um, she knew I had kids. And from every day I came, every week I came to visit her, she asked me how the kids were. And she begged me to bring them. So I got permission from my boss to bring my kids on like a weekend when I wasn't on right. duty. And brought my kids out there, and she, oh my gosh, she fed them candy, and of course, loved. They loved her. They're she's like, we, up, can we go back? Right, mm-hmm. and she's hooked up to oxygen. She looks sick, but my kids saw none of that. Sure, they sat on the couch next to her. My daughter painted her nails. It was beautiful, Aww. and so um, she asked me to bring them back. So we did a couple of times, and and she became Mimi to my kids. She mm-hmm. became another grandma. And um, she ended up in a nursing home um, near, very near the end of her life because she just, she needed a little bit of extra help. And um, I debated taking my kids because I didn't want them to be scared or see too much of the real world. But I took them. And again, they didn't ask why this person looked this way or the sounds or the smells, they ran into Mimi's room and hopped up on her hospital bed. And my son, of course, is just obsessed with the controllers of 
you know, putting the bed up and down and my, they find the candy drawer and, um, they snuggled with her. And, and so through that, I got to be really real with my kids about what my real job is and what, why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. And, and then when Mimi died, I didn't, um, I didn't take them the day before she died or anything. I didn't want them to see her not awake, but um, we released balloons and we prayed for her and we, we talk about her all the time and it's just, they haven't experienced death within our family. And so, um, I don't know. I just felt, I just really thought that that was such an important beginning for me to really just tastefully and age appropriately, um, introduce my kids to, to real world. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's so. great. I love it. I that they, I love that. I love children when they um, don't when they don't have. There's no blinders, mm-hmm. and they don't see what we see. Right. Where we're jaded or cynical or you know because yes. we've been hurt, and they're like they don't see any of that stuff. And just I love looking at things through the eyes of the child, and yeah. you're just and their perspective is so beautiful. It is yes. So I, I think that's, I love that you got to bring them into that. I love being able to bring my kids into work, whatever I'm doing. Like today, oh my goodness, Brayden goes, mom, do you think your job is harder than the job of the girls at the Pie Haven? And I was like, well, I don't know. Depends mm-hmm. on how we want to. So we just went down to a lot of different yeah. ideas and, um, and I was, and, I just was really thinking about it, how, not that I'm worried about my children, but one day I said, we're not going to be here forever. (laughs) And, um, just leaving them in this world the way it is, but just training them upright and that they just, they know Jesus, like know Jesus, not know of Jesus, but know Jesus and what that looks like. And so we like, I didn't stop the car in the middle of the road, but (laughs) as we're going through car line, I was like, praying like lord if you want us to you know these kids keep doing this because i was like you guys can carry on the pie legend you know (laughs) i was like if you guys i was like the line could stop guys because if you guys don't keep carrying it on then i'm not sure who will you know Mm -hmm. so um i do love bringing our kids into what we're doing just so they understand a little bit more and especially when you're in the service business and the hospitality and hospice which is the same pretty much as hospitality yeah yeah Yeah. and um and loving people and right just showing them the meeting exactly where they are in their journey and absolutely yep so i think it's i love it um okay so i know that you um so you are you do art which you know that excites me and (laughs) and writing um so you started you have a blog i do have a blog what's the name of it it's called love on a monday Love on a Monday. Mm -hmm. Why love on a Monday? So a teenage patient that I had um, when I worked at the hospital, he, um, and he's still alive and doing great. He's in his mid-20s now, but um, he was a teenager when he got cancer and, like, you know, started the football team. So his life drastically changed. And so he spent, he was in the hospital a lot and, his identity changed, and that's the hardest. Those are the hardest years, and the teenage years um, to to be to have an illness where mm. it changes your body 
body and, you know, everything. So we, he was really close with all the nurses cause he hung out up there so much. And I was just talking to him one day and, uh, he was telling me about a girl he liked or something. And he said, and he called me mama. <laughs> He's like, you know what, mama, I fell in love on a Monday. Aww. I said, I'm stealing that. And I'm starting a blog. I said, you Monday. can have it back if you ever want it, but I'm starting it. So because I don't like Mondays. Most people don't. But um, he was just so positive like about Mondays. a Monday. And um, so, yeah, that's how that was born. Love on a Monday. It just sounds like we should go make a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what do you love to write about? Um, it's I love writing, and but I can't write on demand. Or mm-hmm. if you tell me something to write about, I can't. But I will wake up in the middle of the night with mm-hmm. something that I have to write. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've mostly written the, from the beginning was about my work in the hospital. Um, and then a lot of my hospice experiences, child rearing. And um, and probably the, the pieces that I'm most proud of and like felt like the biggest burden to put on paper were about my postpartum depression um because I really I feel like a blog post that I read by a perfect stranger just happened to show up on my probably my Facebook feed it saved my life and so mm-hmm. I have in turn written about my experience and then um just kind of the lingering major depressive defo- disorder that I have now um and to say it out loud like I like to say it out loud because if I keep it in, then I'm ashamed of it, but mm. it's, it's a real disease. And so that's kind of lately what I feel like my mission is. Um, I joke with my friends. I'm like, I'm the mom at the park who, if there's a stranger there, if there's a, if there's a mom I've never met, she's going to know my whole story before she leaves and I'm going to know hers. We're not going to do small talk. And I really feel like that's how you have to do it. If you're going to have, if you're going to be okay. Yeah. And, um, so if I was that mom, what would you tell me? If we were sitting in the park. Oh, well, I mean, you know, conversations just start, mm-hmm. but I, I don't sugarcoat stuff. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the divorce was tragic and I never wanted to be a single mom. I never, ever, no one ever envisions that right. for their life divorce, yep. but that as I'm learning was not even the tragedy. The, what it has uncovered is, um, the real Marion that, I probably, you know, stuffed and hid um, struggles so that it could look like I was, you know, perfect and had it all together. And when all that was stripped and I moved to a new town with two little kids and I was clearly struggling, I mean, like, it was not easy. And I would, you know, just diagnosed with postpartum depression, Um, I, I kind of... It was so liberating because I got to start over with a new group of people and was able to be me. And then it's sometimes so liberating when you could just just put a name to it. So you're like, okay, that's what I have. So now I can start moving forward because I know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, what does it look like? I mean, what does postpartum depression look like? Well, so I had... um, I had a kind of a really scary type. I had intrusive thoughts. And so I don't... I mean, I don't know if you want me to talk about it here or, but, um, it's so, up to you. No, I will. Cause <laughs> it's, it's, I'm um, sure someone needs to know. Yeah. It's terrifying. So I would have like, I, I was afraid to carry my son upstairs cause I 
had these visions of me throwing him over the balcony, like over the railing mm-hmm. for no reason. And then I was afraid to like leave knives out on the counter overnight because I was afraid that like in my delirium I would sleepwalk and I'd stab mm-hmm. my kids. And I thought I was crazy for so long and I hid those feelings and I stuffed them and I didn't sleep because I was afraid that I would do something in my sleep. And, um, and it was that girl's blog post that she had the exact same thoughts that I did. And I went to my doctor the next day. I said, I need medicine. I have, this is what I have. <laughs> I diagnosed myself. And then I started just doing a ton of research about it because as a nurse, if I mm-hmm. had not had any education about right. postpartum depression, besides just hearing the name, then that's a crisis. And, um, so, uh, the medicine, you know, of course helped, but one thing, Brooke Shields did a documentary about a postpartum depression and it's fascinating okay. and humbling because the, um, the fear that I had of my thoughts, like I was terrified of my own thoughts. I couldn't, couldn't sit in silence because I was so afraid of my thoughts. Um, is a defense mechanism and that is what set that fine line separated me from having what is called postpartum psychosis and that is the women who do kill their children Mm. and it is a mental illness and just the like the reality that I had that protective mechanism and so I'm I'm proud of myself for getting help but I'm also ashamed that I kept it a secret for so long because I I really I thought it was just me being a bad mom and so when I see a mom at the park and they are struggling or they say everything's great they're not Mm -hmm. and I get real with them and tell them that it's okay to that your kids are on your nerves today yeah (laughs) I went to the park with Whitney last week and our kids played and we had a picnic and I texted her that night I said guess what we went you know went to the park with you we got home we play, the kids played in the backyard, and I sat out there with them, and they didn't get on my nerves a single time today. It was a victory. So mm. I just, I don't know. I just feel like people don't tell you the hard parts of sure. motherhood, and it changes mm. you so much. And um, you need someone that you can be real with. So find that person. Yep. Absolutely. Even it's someone you don't know. Right. Because most likely God's like, I got someone right here. Yeah. So if you're listening and you're that person. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So I just, I don't, it's like my, my passion now. And, you know, I'm five years postpartum now. And so I can't say I have postpartum depression. I, I, I have depression and, and it's hard to go to, to, go to my doctor and see that diagnosis on my chart. But, um, but I have it. And it was easier to swallow when I knew it was associated with hormones and, mm-hmm. you know, life changes, the kids, but, um, it's, it's a part of me. And as they explained to me, if I had cancer, I'd get chemo and I have depression. depression so I'm going to take meds and go to counseling. And, um, so that's something that I, I, I write about that quite a bit just cause it's, it's a big part of who I am. So does postpartum like how does does that something that only is the depression there or does it happen after you have the chip what is there a trigger what is how does that all it's mostly I think it's like a really kind of um triggered by hormone okay changes yeah 
And there's so many, there's, you know, postpartum anxiety, there's postpartum depression. There's just, it's not just feeling sad. It's, I mean, it, there's a lot to it. So, um, I don't think that, um, and I talked about this in my TED talk is that the U S has like one of the highest maternal infant mortality rates Mm. of all the like developed nations. Wow. And, um, and I, you know, there's there's a lot that goes with that, but I sure. do think that we don't do a good enough job at taking care of mom right after baby's born. So, because um, there's a there's a, a big change that goes on there. I'm, I'm I could maybe touch on that a tiny bit, but because <laughs> um, I remember when, um, like, I just remember being alone in the room, mm-hmm. and the Bentley was in the nursery, and everyone just left. Yeah, and they went to hang out with Bentley, and I'm like. Hi guys, you know, and right. not that that's a major, major, uh-huh. yeah. And and then two seconds later, the doctors came in. Unfortunately, the nurse was in the room, and she was a great advocate because they said, "Your son's having problems breathing. He's gonna have to go to the NICU." Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. But before they could get all that out, the nurse was like, "Go get her husband before you even start telling her mm-hmm. all of these things." So, um having other people advocate for you and nurses yeah. that are on your side. Absolutely. And then advocating for yourself, how great that you got it. God, God, God knew all of that stuff and oh, how yeah. he, he lined you up to be a nurse <laughs> so long ago yeah. and that you would have, have the tools that you could right. diagnose yourselves with that. And, and I have nowhere have I ever had those kind of thoughts, but I get the thoughts I take medicine I I have depression and the thoughts that I have um yeah you're like how could I even think these right. things where did where did this where come did from? this come from and I would never do that right but yeah even the other day I told the doctor I was like do you think you need to maybe change my meds she's like no you've done enough work you need to feel the emotions I was like but I don't really <laughs> want to feel the emotions and keep working I'm was like can I have higher doses please <laughs> Can we go back to feeling numb? Please, I, yes. <laughs> I just want to go hide in the movie theater. <laughs> so yes, I can totally yeah. relate to that part where you're just like, I just want to numb out, and it's really because you're like the thoughts that are going through your head. Yeah. Yes, and this is this may for someone like I was driving. Mine is driving, and so I almost like have to block out the road and not look because I start doing things where I'm like Rick. I'm going to need you to drive because I'm just trying to drive my, I'm knuckle gripping the car. I'm counting every line, car, and um, telephone pole line. And it's causing me such anxiety Mm. then while I'm driving, you know, and then the kids are, so like nobody has these ideas of the thoughts that are going through your head and you're like, this is not normal. (laughs) And how it just could almost, it'd drive you crazy. And if I didn't have the medication to just recognize like, that take I'm a deep breath. taking yeah. okay quit counting cars quit counting all the things so that you can focus on the road and you don't go crazy and because the kids are screaming in the back and then you lose your stuff yeah. and so yeah it's a vicious cycle and right. praise Jesus for medicine yes and I so love you can get medicine it's okay oh yeah take but the there's so many that don't believe right in medicine I was like it's okay y'all you can have medicine yeah um I and for the, you know, I, I believe that God heals miraculously. I've mm-hmm. seen miracle after mm-hmm. miracle 
And, um, and that, that may be in the plans for him to heal me completely, but I'm not healed yet. So yeah, I'm going to treat, I'm going to take the treatment in the meantime, and I'm going to let this season of suffering, Mm um, I'm going to let the pain be used for something good. Yeah. So, yes. Um, but uh, just one more thing about the park, seeing you at the park. I loved in your devotional that you have on the Bible app. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was day five where you talk about be the woman who straightens the other woman's crown. I love that. Without saying a word. Yeah. You're I, am- we don't need amazing. you to point out anything else. If I hear one more, you should. I want to be like, Mm-mm. I'm about to throat punch you. So don't tell me I should anymore. Okay. Right. We don't need anybody else doing that. We just need those to come alongside and just, yeah, come on. Let's go. Yeah. Yes. I'm all about that one. Some people just don't get it. I told someone this and she's like, I don't understand. I was like, okay, I just, it's fine. You don't have to understand right now. Yeah. One day I'll try to explain it to you again. Maybe God will be like, now's the time to tell her. Yeah. But yes, that's, I get it. That, per- that summed it up perfectly. Mm, yes. Okay. So you, we, we haven't talked about the art part yet. So how do you, like, how do you use art and to grieve or how does the process of art, because I saw one of your prints. So mm-hmm. for me, like I can just be listening to music or having thoughts and I just have these visions. And then half the time I'm like, I can't draw that. So recently I've tried to draw things that I'm like, that just doesn't look like mm-hmm. that. But eventually yeah. I keep practicing and I'm not giving up on this right? because God laid this vision. So I'm not giving up. But how do you, how did you, how do you use art to channel all of your anxiety, your depression, your postpartum? Yeah. Um, probably the, I think the first painting I ever did, um, I, the, it was the day I came home from work, working at the children's hospital. And I think it was the day that we lost two kids. They were, mm. ne- they were in the hospital rooms next to each other. They were friends. They had had dreams that they were going to heaven at the same time, and they died mm. the same day. It was, like, straight from yeah. the movies. Um, I think that that's just it. I was like, all the things you're talking about, I was like, I only see those things in the movies. You only happens. see them in the movies, yes. but they happen all oh my the gosh. time. Um, and so I came home, and, and even though I have a faith in God, and it at times it's rock solid, sometimes it's shaky, but I had that to, to grieve. Mm-hmm. I needed something, I needed something really tangible. And right. I don't know why I picked up a paintbrush, but I did. And Were um, you always, did you always paint? Oh no, I oh, never okay. took art because I was so embarrassed and like self-conscious of, I can't draw, I can't do this. <laughs> no, no That's talent. a lie. <laughs> Obviously you know that now. <laughs> and so um, I started painting and I, but if you said, Hey, I want, can you do a painting of this? No, I can't. So I think that kind of like my writing, it's, it's kind of like the supernatural kind of gift that's been given to me at times. And so, um, I mean, I'll sit down with my kids and we'll do art, but I, I can't do something like that painting I gave you on command. It's like Mm -hmm. something that wakes me up in the middle of the night and I have to go paint it. So, oh, you really do get up in the middle of the night? I'll like think about it and then like first thing in the morning. I mean, okay. I love to sleep. Let's be honest. Here. I know. I was like, Lord, can I wait till 530? Yeah. Okay, thanks. Although one time he woke me up at three and I was like, fine, I'm going to get up on this one because this is good stuff. <laughs> that was in the middle of writing the book. So I didn't okay. want to miss out on anything. Yeah. I was like, these yeah. are downloads and I need three more devotions. So. <laughs> but it is. I mean, it's, it, I can't remember which book I was reading, but it was about the like spiritual creativity and it, 
it is a burden until you actually produce that creative um, vision that's been given to you. I don't know how else to say it, but I mean, like, it really, it's like a weight. You're like, okay, fine, I'll I'll go paint that, you know? Yeah. So. And then I get them out, and then he lays three more, and I was like, oh my God, I just did these. Why do I got (laughs) to do more? And then sometimes it reminds me they're just for me, they're not for somebody else. Right. Which is... Also a hard thing because you're like, not everything we write, not everything we paint is for everybody else. Yeah. Or maybe it's for everyone else, but it's not right now. Yeah. So just hold on to those things and he'll give you the moments when you, you need to share it with the world. Well, I think I told you that when we first met and then I sent you a message and it was like, no one reads my blog. I think I have one subscriber. It's probably Whitney. Um, but here's my blog. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I'm not writing it for... Yeah. Totally. To be seen, but if there is one person yep. that needs to read it because it is going to speak to their heart, then that's why I wrote it. So. Yes. Goodness, I love it. Okay, I've loved our conversation. I have to ask you one so we tie this up. Otherwise, as I say on every podcast, we'd sit here for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, that could be my time. Are you exaggerating? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. Look, see, he's shaking his head like, oh my gosh, I have to edit this. <laughs> And then, and I was like, don't edit that. Um, <laughs> okay. So if you were going to, um, if you, I was coming over for dinner. Okay. What dessert are you going to cook? Okay. Well, I was really afraid you were going to ask me about cooking because I really don't enjoy it. And I know that you love baking, but, um, there is this dessert that my mom has made for me since I was a kid. Yeah. It's like my every birthday I get this dessert and it's just called strawberry freeze and it's kind of like a frozen strawberry cheesecake. It's amazing and has like a, a um, vanilla wafer crust and the cream cheese and strawberries and all that. It's really good. That sounds good. Yeah. Okay. So, um, well, we'll share that recipe with everybody too. Okay. Um, because you know, I, my favorite pie is my favorite fruit is strawberry and one of my favorite desserts oh just made me think of that oh it's so good okay i'm gonna have to find that recipe for everybody now but it's a frozen strawberry dessert okay oh that sounds man that sounds so good right now and i don't think i'm fasting from any of those things so i can do it oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) one day god's gonna be like and put sugar and i'm like no I'm not ready for that yet. At least let me get to like April. Okay. Um. All right, friends. Okay. So tell everybody one more time they can find you over on what blog? Oh, it's Love on a Monday. Love on a Monday. Yes. I just love that. Okay. I've loved chatting with you. Me I'm too. so excited. I I've learned so much just by listening because I I had no idea about all those things. Well, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. Too. Bye.